Great are you, Jesus. Oh, how we worship you right now. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Father, for sending your Son. Thank you, God. You are a Jehovah Jireh, as Abraham, Abraham called you, and you brought that ram in place, Lord, of his son Isaac to be sacrificed. And so, God, you sent your son Jesus as our provision, Lord, to die for us. And great are you, Lord. Great is your love toward us. Great is everything you do for us. We just worship you, Lord, so much, God. We say hallelujah to you. We praise you, God. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Aloha, everyone. Good morning. Welcome, everyone, online, too. Good morning to you guys. I don't want to forget our online body, too. You know, I was thinking about how uh, at, when we came back for our in-service, uh, in-person services, you know, almost like maybe like two-thirds or so of our body is still online. And that's okay, but we're still all one. We're still one body in Christ as a church here. So anyway, mahalo for everyone coming here today and everyone uh, logging in. So if you can grab your Bibles, open them up to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 for our study this morning. You've heard of those uh, doomsday preppers, right? I think there's a show about that, about the survivalists getting ready for the apocalypse coming. Well, I came across another group preparing specifically for a zombie apocalypse. Yes, located in South Jersey, there is a group, and they have this course you can take called the Zombie Survival Camp. It's a weekend camp to train anyone for $499 to be able to fight off zombies and survive any kind of worldwide calamities. You learn at this camp like basic survival kills, skills, uh, kills, I said. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, kill those zombies. Uh-huh. Yeah, survival skills, first aid, uh, weapons training, even how to hotwire an abandoned car. How's that? I think the most interesting thing was you can all, they also teach you zombie jujitsu, or jo- zombie jitsu, they call it, which is, I guess, a version of jujitsu to fight off those zombies coming to attack you. Well, they have an interesting model on their website. They have this model, and it says, the better prepared you are today, the easier tomorrow will be. And I think that that's pretty good even for us believers as we see the times coming. So is there some apocalypse coming? I do. I, I believe there's going to be the end of the world. I don't believe a zombie apocalypse. Though. But I do believe what's been prophesied, the end of the world as we, as we know it, the seven-year tribulation is coming. And I believe it's around the corner too. So how do you prepare for this? You, do you go to some camp, learn some zombie jitsu or something like that? No, you know how you prepare? By receiving Jesus Christ in your heart. That's how. To be saved, to have your future of eternal life in heaven. Not only that, but that Jesus would deliver you from the tribulation to come. And it's important that we come to Jesus today because if you prepare, as they say, if, if you're better prepared, the better prepared you are today, the easier tomorrow will be. And definitely it will be easier. 
Franklin, I mean, uh, Benjamin Franklin once wrote, never put off till tomorrow what you can do today. So how is God going to deliver us from this whole end of the world scenario, from this judgment really God is putting upon the earth? Well, he's going to do that through the rapture of the church, through Jesus coming for his believers, taking them up into the clouds and meeting the other guys who passed away before us, the other believers, and to take us home forever in heaven. And so what I'm giving to you right now real quick, it means that Jesus will come for believers before the judgment falls on the world. See, the future for believers is this. It's not wrath, but the rapture. And that's the title of our message this morning. Not the wrath, but the rapture. Now we're going to go on in our verse-by-verse study here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and we're going to take up verse 9 through 11 this morning. 9 through 11. And our outline is this. You are safe, you are secure, and you are to strengthen. So that's the three things we're going to see here this morning. But let's begin with number one. You are safe. You are safe. We're going to take a look at verse 9 here. and Actually, we'll read the whole verse, but we're going to focus in on the first part. So take a look with me. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9, it says, For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we'll stop here. Now, Paul comes into this verse, and remember last week I mentioned that I really want to finish this section off that is all the way to verse 11, but I just there's just so much to say that I, I broke it apart. So in this last section, when he's, he writes 4 in verse 9, it's connecting us to what he's been saying before this. And immediately before verse 9 is verse 8, and in verse Eight, Paul was talking about the hope we have in that salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you remember that. He was talking about, hey, we've got to be sober, um, talking about we've got to be clear-minded about the truths that we're looking at, uh, what he's writing about. He's talking about, hey, we've we, we got to put that breastplate, remember, that, that vest of armor of, of faith and love, faith that we trust in what God is saying that he's going to do, love and that we're going to keep our love our devotion to God no matter what is going on in the world we're going to believe what he's saying we're going to hold on in love and love is appearing and then he says in, at the end of verse 8 for a and then put a helmet of hope for salvation so that breastplate was to protect our heart but remember the helmet was to protect our mind and so we that helmet is this hope of salvation you remember what salvation was salvation was the uh, it, salvation really talks about, remember, our whole salvation, like how Jesus saved us from our sins and we have eternal life when we accept him. And then it talks about our sanctification, that process of us, the Holy Spirit works in us as we grow in Christ and become more like Christ. And then we have, at the end, our glorification, right? When we go home to heaven, we get our resurrected bodies. So salvation, really, the word talks about all these things, our past, our present, and our future. But here when Paul uses the word salvation, he's talking about being saved from the seven-year tribulation, saved from the day of the Lord, which we studied last week, remember? To be saved 
from going through the judgment of God, the tribulation year. So uh, another word you could put there, the hope of our deliverance. Yeah? And in our deliverance is the rapture of the church. And our deliverance is when we get our glorified bodies and go be with the Lord. So connected with that then is verse 9. So here's what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, hey, we have a hope in this deliverance that God's going to bring us to where we're not going to be in that day of the Lord time, in the tribulation. And why is that? Well, verse 9 says, For God has not destined us for wrath. The word destined here means determined. God isn't determined this on us. It, me- it means to make this decision. God hasn't made a decision for us yeah, to go through this judgment time that's coming on the earth. No, for God has not destined us for wrath. Wrath, you, you can translate that as divine judgment. And speaking about, what is he speaking about? The day of the Lord, which we saw last time. If you missed it, you can grab the message. So he's saying, look, this is what's going to happen. And you, and you remember what we were talking about, how, how the, what, the day of the Lord, what we saw last time in the first part of, of chapter 5, is really connected to the end of chapter 4. And the end of chapter 4 is when he talked about the rapture of the church. And then he talked about the day of the Lord in chapter 5. And now in verse 9, he's saying, look, you guys aren't destined for this. It's all connected together here. And so he's saying, you're not connected. Why? Because look at verse 9. Because you obtain salvation or you obtain that deliverance. Same thing in verse 8. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now we're going to get more deeper into that in the next section. But you see what Paul's saying here. Paul's saying, you are safe. You are safe. It's all right. Hey, the day of the Lord is coming. But you are saved. Your future destiny as a believer is not the coming judgment set for the world. Now understand when we read this word wrath here in verse 9, there's really um, in the Bible two ideas of wrath, God's judgment, divine judgment. There's the eternal wrath, and secondly, there's the earthly wrath. There's the eternal wrath in a sense, if we die without Christ, we will be judged to hell Eternally, There's that's that eternal wrath because we'll die in our sins. But then there's the earthly wrath, which I believe Paul's talking about here, which is about the judgment falling upon the world at the end of the world, the seven-year tribulation. And I say that because in context, right, what we're reading here in 1 Thessalonians from the end of chapter 4 was the rapture. Then chapter 5, as we got into it, was talking about the day of the Lord, the judgment of God, when, when the judgment falls upon the world. And then now as we come into uh, verse 9, what's the wrath he's talking about? He's talking about that earthly wrath, the judgment that falls upon the world. Remember we talked about that. The seven seals, right, in the book of Revelation, the seven trumpets last week, the seven bowls, all these calamities, all these things, the famine, the, the, all the fish dying, the earthquakes, and all that stuff, right? That's the wrath. That's why he says, for God has not destined us to that wrath that I talked about. So the wrath here talks about the tribulation, the end of the world as we know it. So understand that when he uses that word wrath here, because we got to keep this in context. Uh, uh, in uh, the 
uh, people tell you, right, the three most important words in real estate is location, location, location. Well, think about that. That's where wrath is sitting here. We could say, as we study scripture, it's context, context, context. Do, that helps us understand what's going on. So in this context, what is, what is Paul saying? We saw the rapture at the end of chapter 4, the day of the Lord, that's the seven-year tribulation at the beginning of chapter 5, and now where we're at here, we see God is not destined us to wrath. So in context, it's not for believers to be under the judgment in the tribulation. Do you remember we touched on this? If you turn to the left over at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10, if you remember that, verse 10, Paul kind of uh, gave us a little sneak preview here, and he said, And to wait for a son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from, what? The wrath to come. And it's a reference to what we've been talking about. The day of the Lord. The seven year tribulation that we saw last week. So you see how we flow from last week into verse 9. And so Paul's saying, look, believers in Jesus are not destined to go through the seven year tribulation of judgment upon the world. That's the point. Believers in Jesus are not destined to go through the seven year tribulation of judgment upon the earth. So you see Paul saying, you are safe. You guys are safe. It's all right. You're safe. But we're not destined for the wrath, this wrath. You know what I think about throughout the Bible? We see kind of a picture of this, of what Paul is talking about here. How God delivers people from judgment. I mean, first of all, who we think of right away? Noah, right? Genesis 6, when, 6 through 8. The flood that came. Right? That was judgment upon this world whose heart was wicked, right? Continually, everybody was, uh, their thoughts were wicked, everything. So God had to judge the whole world with a flood and destroy, right? And he saved Noah in the ark. Or how about Lot? Do you remember Lot? God saved Lot, right? He didn't rain down fire and brimstone on Sodom, where he lived, Sodom and Gomorrah, right? He didn't rain until Lot and his family were out of there. Right? That, that's a great, great picture there. You know, there's something else that I see. It's something Jesus said. And turn over to the book of Revelation, actually. The book of Revelation to Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. And take a look at this. Revelation chapter 3, verse 10. Now, Jesus is speaking here. Remember, Chapter 2 and 3 was the letters to the churches. When Jesus spoke to John, John wrote these letters for, on behalf of Jesus, and we have it in our Bible. So in Revelation chapter 3, he's, he's talking to the church of Philadelphia, and he says in verse 10, verse 10, Revelation 3, it says, Because you have kept my word about patience and endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on earth earth so you see that jesus saying to the, this church in philadelphia hey i'm i'm gonna keep you safe you guys you're safe you guys are gonna be okay because this huge trial this huge tribulation the judgment's gonna fall upon the whole earth and all the people of the earth but i'm gonna keep you guys safe you know what's interesting here 
Remember I said chapter 2 and 3 was uh, the letters to the churches. If you look over on chapter 4, just look over chapter 4, Revelation, the first two words, it says, after this. After what? Well, after what was written before. And what was written before? The letters to the churches. So after he got these letters, and many pastors believe after this means after, because the letters to the churches represent like churches throughout the age, perhaps, churches throughout uh, the ages or or churches uh, during this time. But then after the churches, then all these other events happen. Now, chapter 4 and 5, it's a scene in heaven, and uh, there's a lot that goes on in there. But then starting in chapter 6 of Revelation is the beginning of the seals. The seven seals are broken open and all that is poured out. And from chapter 6 to chapter 18 is the tribulation, the judgment of God falling upon the earth. And then chapter 19 in Revelation was when Jesus returns. But did you know this? Did you know there's no mention of the church in all those chapters after chapter 3? Not until like at the end in, in 22 is the word church mentioned there. So think about this. The church is absent through the tribulation. So isn't that interesting? I think it goes all, all with what we're seeing here. You could go back to First Thessalonians chapter 5. That God has not destined us for the wrath. So believers in Jesus are not destined to go through the seven-year tribulation of judgment upon the world. What's in store for your future here? Will it be bad? Will things work out? Well, I got good news for you. Jesus will come and take you to heaven right before the judgment begins. You're safe. You're going to be okay. You have a future with God in heaven. And let me say this. If, you're in, if, 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 if we or if you as a believer in Christ is not destined for that wrath, then you know what? We can trust God for the near future. We can trust God personally in what he's doing in our life tomorrow and the next day and next month and whatever is going to happen before he takes us home in the rapture. I think all of this tells, tells us of God's care and how he will never do you any wrong. I like something that Willis J. wrote. We know not what the future holds, but we do know who holds the future. Isn't that good? Know that today. So as we're looking at the truth here in the word of God about all this rapture and times stuff, and we're no more safe that God hasn't appointed us to that judgment, Know that even right now, as we live our life day to day, you can trust Him. So hold on in faith, keep loving Him, and keep your hope in that deliverance that is coming. You are safe. Well, let's go on here. Let's go on to number two. You are secure. You are safe. Our future is not the wrath of the rapture here. And now... We see you are secure. We're going to take the rest of verse 9 and verse 10 here in this section. So, But let's just say again. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, 
who died for us, that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. So here Paul is going on. You're safe, but let me tell you, you're secure. You're secure in this salvation. You're secure in this deliverance God is going to deliver you, delivering you from this wrath to come. So he says, look, um, we're not destined to wrath because we're destined to obtain that salvation, to obtain that deliverance through who? Jesus. And what did Jesus do so that we would obtain that deliverance? Well, he died for us. He died on behalf of us. He put himself on the cross and died for our sins. He paid the penalty that we should have paid for our sins. We should have been condemned for. He died for us. I mentioned uh, when I prayed, you know, when um, Abraham, yeah, Genesis chapter 2, when the ram was caught in, in the bushes and, and, he, and, and the Lord brought the ram so he would sacrifice the lamb to the Lord when, uh, and not his son. You know what he called the Lord? Jehovah Jireh, Yahweh Jireh, Yahweh, the Lord my provider. So Jesus has been provided for us by the Father to die for our sins. And you know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about the atonement of our sins. The, the technical word is the substitutionary atonement. Like where we should have took that punishment, where we should have took that judgment, you know what? Christ stood in our place. Christ hung on the cross for you and me. That's the truth. That's what we see. So it's powerful here. So Paul's saying, look, you guys aren't destined for this judgment. No, you're going to be delivered through Jesus because Jesus is the guy who died, who atoned for our sins and saved us, both from eternal judgment and the earthly judgment. B. Barton wrote, basically, because of Jesus, God's people will not face the condemnation that their sin deserves. And you know, that that hit me. It humbled me because I thought, I deserve, gosh, I deserve punishment. I don't deserve heaven. I don't deserve it all. My sins, my failures, my rebellion against God, how, how could he give me anything else but the judgment I deserve? I should be condemned for my sins. I should go through this whole tribulation judgment. But because of Jesus who died for me, and he died for you, we... We don't have to be under that anymore. And let me, let me say today, if any of you here or maybe anyone online, Jesus loves you. He died on the cross because he loves you. He gave himself because he loves you. And he rose again from the dead so that we would be freed from our bondage to sin. So we'd be free and have new life and be able to live for him. And so I encourage you, come to Jesus today. Receive him in your heart. Be prepared for what's coming. Be prepared for one day we will all, whether um, we die or we're in the rapture, we're all going to face Jesus. And be prepared that, hey, Jesus can cover all your sins. Well, and then the last part of verse 10, he says, So that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. 
The awake here is talking about being alive, and asleep here is talking about being dead. That's the idea. So whether we're alive, whether we're dead, we're going to go and live with Christ. And you know what? This is directly in reference and connected to the rapture that we saw at the end of chapter 4. Look over in chapter 4, verse 16. It says, For the Lord himself would descend from heaven with the cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. So those who are asleep, those who have died before us, they're going to get their resurrected bodies. That's what we study. Verse 17, Then we who are alive, right, who are awake, who are left here on the earth, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we will what? Always be with the Lord. So Paul's saying in verse 10, he's connecting that in the same way that we might live with him forever. So he's connecting these two things together. So believers, both dead and alive, have that assurance that they will be in the rapture before the judgment falls. You're secure here. You have a place there. You and I, we are secure in Christ and what He's done in atoning for our sins. We are secure. Jesus said in John 5, 24, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. And then he said these words. Jesus said, He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Our life in the future and eternal heaven and in the rapture is secure, you guys. You are secure. So believers will not face the wrath, but the rapture. For we are completely covered by the atonement of Jesus. Do you see that? That's our point. Believers will not face the wrath, but the rapture. For we are completely covered by the atonement of Jesus. So you see our title? Yeah. Not the wrath, but the rapture. That's our future, you guys. That's what we look forward to. That's what is in for us. And it's all by who? Jesus Christ. It's all because of what He's done. Not what we've done. Because He died to atone for, you know what, all our sins. Sometimes we come to the Lord and we're like, oh, Jesus, we accept you. And then we try and live for Him. We think, oh, no, I blew it. Oh, I don't know if God's going to like me anymore. I don't know if I'll go to heaven. Will I go in the rapture? But Jesus died for all our sins, not just our past up to the point we come and receive Jesus. But all our sins, it doesn't make excuse that you go sin and say, oh, Jesus is, yeah. Paul said it in Romans 6, should we send that grace about? No way, that's not what it's about. When Billy Graham got a speeding ticket driving through a small town, he, he admitted his guilt in court, and the judge recognized him. But the judge still said, you have violated the law, the fine is $10 for uh, $10, which is a dollar for every mile over the speed limit. I guess back then, you know. <laughs> well, you know what the judge did after that? The judge took out a $10 bill out of his own wallet, paid the ticket, and then he invited Billy Graham to go out with him and bought him a steak dinner. <laughs> and you know what? Later, Billy Graham said this. This is how God treats repentant sinners. My story is a story of grace. I love that. That's what God has given us grace in Christ Jesus and that he died on a cross for our sins. So know this. Know this. This is how I want you to 
Apply this in your life. This is what I want you to bring home. Know this. Your future life in heaven, the rapture, the deliverance from the wrath to come, is all because of what Jesus has done for you. Get that in your head. It's not what you do that bypasses all this judgment. It's what Christ has done on the cross almost 2,000 years ago to save you. It is His work that saves us. It's the grace of God that we are saved, right? By faith. Nothing that we've done, right? Unless we both like, wow, look what I've done. Or we do the opposite and say, oh, I'm no good. I don't know if I'll make it in the rapture. No. Paul is saying, look, no, we are delivered. Our hope yeah, is through Jesus who died for us. So that both we who are alive or we are dead, whoever believes in Christ, we're going to be with Jesus together with him. Do you see that, you guys? I say this because probably some of you are feeling burdened. Maybe you feel the pressure when we talk about the rapture, Jesus coming soon. Maybe you're not excited. You're, you're more like, you're, you're worried. You're stressed. You start sweating. Yeah? You feel pressure like, oh, I, I hope I go. I hope I'm not left on this earth and, and everything that Pastor Rick talked about last week during the tribulation years. Maybe some of you are feeling that and you're feeling that pressure and that worry right now. Maybe, you know what happens is maybe you grew up like in a Christian home and believing in Jesus to you, it, 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 it came out to be these do's and don'ts and you better toe the line. If not, who? Lickings, yeah? Maybe you grew up that way and it was a Christian home. You learned about Jesus, but then you equal Jesus with all these do's and don'ts. And now you look at the rapture coming, all you could think about what you've done or what you haven't done. Yeah. And you feel this pressure. But let me tell you, if you live your life before God with a bunch of rules, thinking that that's how you please the Lord, that's how you get into heaven, or that's how you atone for your sins... And you live by that? You know what? That's called legalism. It's called legalism. And legalism is a weight upon you. Legalism is a burden. Legalism is this feeling that you'll never live up to what you think God wants you to be. But legalism is not what Paul is talking about here. And that thinking is wrong. Don't let, when I talk about the rapture here and all this, push down maybe on some deep wounds in you. Push down on some failures and hurt and regrets and, and insecurity. Don't let, let it do that. It's the wrong thinking. It's all wrong. You know what Jesus said in John or Matthew 11.30, he said, you know, my burden is light. My yoke is easy. Why is that? Because Jesus did everything for you. We live according to the word of God now because that's who we are. Not because we have to please God in some way. You don't have to do things to make it in the rapture. Jesus did it all. And he did it because he loves you. And now we have the ability to love him back. To love him back, you guys. 
Yeah, we make mistakes. Yeah, we stumble here and there. But you know what? God's forgiveness, his love is there, his grace is there, his patience is there. But now we're a child of God. When Jesus saved us and atoned for our sins and rose again from the dead and made us into new creations, he also adopted us into his family. And being in his family, we will never be pushed out. So know that. It's not about, you better toe the line. It's not about fear anymore. It's about love, right? In First uh, John, matter of fact, just turn to there. First John chapter 4, 18. Verse 18. First John chapter 4, 18. I want you to see this with your own eyes. First John chapter 4, 18. It says here, 4, 18, first John, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Do you see that? First John 4.18. You see what it's about? It's not about us. It's about what Christ has done. It's about his love for us. He died on the cross because he loves us. And, and so we don't need fear anymore. Be afraid of God anymore. God, in everything he does, is reaching out and saying, I love you. I love you. I want you with me. And I made the way so you could be with me. So you could be forgiven your sins and you could be with a holy God. So I can have a relationship of not fear anymore, but of love. So you guys, in Jesus, you are secure. Do you see that? Not because of what we've done, but what Christ has done. Well, let's go on to our, our last heading here. Number three is, you are strengthened. And back to First Thessalonians chapter 5. You are strengthened. Our last verse, verse 11, says, Paul now goes on and says, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. So Paul's like, hey, so after all these things I talked to you about, keep doing what you've been doing. Just as you've been doing. And what is that? Encourage one another and build one another up. Now the word encourage is the same word in the Greek that we saw in verse 18 of chapter 4. Just look over there real quick. Paul wrote, therefore, encourage one another with these words. What words? What he talked about the rapture, right? So now, after the rapture, after the day of the Lord, after A, you know, God isn't destined you to the wrath time, yeah? No, it's Jesus who made you secure in him. Hey, no problem. You're going to be safe. You're going to be secure. Then he says, therefore, encourage one another. What? With these things, you guys. Remember the word encourage? It means like uh, comfort one another. It means to motivate one another. It means, it, it, it means to give hope to each other. That, that, that's the idea. Encouraging, right? Not discouraging. Encouraging one another. And he says, let's build one another up with this. Yeah? Let's help each other to grow in Christ, to, to stay and stick to Jesus, no matter how bad the world gets, no matter if the world comes in, tries to influence you and say, ah, that's not going to happen. No matter how dark the world gets, because we know a lot of prophecies of people walking away from Jesus, no matter all of that, Hey, let's build each other up. Hey, Jesus is coming soon. Let's keep going. Hey, Jesus is going to take us home in the rapture. Hey, now isn't that great? Isn't that exciting? That's what he's saying. Build each other up. Encourage each other up. See, so we are, you are to strengthen one another with this hope 
of not being in the tribulation that we will be raptured. Do you see what he's saying here now? Do you see that? Now, there's different views, I have to tell you, on the rapture. And to me, the most hopeful one is what I believe. It's, uh, I grew up in Calvary Chapel. It's what Calvary Chapel is part of, part of what they believe. And it's called the pre-tribulation rapture, right? Before, pre, before the tribulation, Jesus will come for the church and take him home. To me, that, that, that's, that's the most hopeful. Rapture happens before the tribulation. Well, there's some other views here. And some believe in the mid-tribulation rapture. That the rapture ha- actually happens in the middle of the tribulation. They believe that three and a half years into the tribulation, uh, that uh, Jesus will come and take the church home in that way. They believe it's a, a, since uh, Paul talked about like the last trumpet in First Corinthians 15, which is kind of valid. We're not sure what the trumpets are, but hey, they attach it to that. And the trumpet judgments, the last trumpet, trumpet number seven, then the church is going to be taken out. For me, um, I just can't see the church going through the seven seals and even all the six trumpets. You know, I still see that the, that's the judgment of God coming upon the earth. Some believe in the post-tribulation. That means at the end of the seven years, that that's when the church will be taken up in a rapture to meet Jesus, and then they're going to come back with Jesus which we know uh, everyone agrees with that, come back when Jesus comes and rules and reigns on the earth and defeats all the enemies. And, and, and so post is at the end of tribulation. Um, they feel like the word saints in the book of Revelation uh, refer to the church. I, I, I feel like more it's a, the, there's tribulation saints. And if you want to ask me more about that, we could talk about that, that um, later. But... Uh, Again, for me, I can't see believers going through the seven seals, the seven trumpet judgments, the seven bowls, yeah, where I believe that's God's wrath being poured out. And so we, we got to go through that whole thing, and then we're raptured, and then we come right back. I mean, yeah, to me, <laughs> I don't know about, about that one, right? There's one more out there, and it's called the pre-wrath rapture. And, and this is new to me. I think it's been around, but it's kind of new, new to me. Uh, but I was reading about it. This is when the rapture happens right before the sixth seal in Revelation 6. So it's kind of like mid-trip, but just a little bit before. Because uh, there's a scripture in there talking about that the wrath of God is being poured out. These, those who believe in this, they believe the day of the Lord, quote-unquote, that we looked at last time, starts at that point. That's what they, they believe, that technically that's that point. They feel like everything else that happened before in the seals, from seal one through uh, uh, five there, is Satan's wrath or the Antichrist wrath. But I mentioned last week, you know, for me, God used Babylonians to bring judgment on Israel, right, when Jerusalem was, was, um, Jerusalem was uh, destroyed and everything like that. So he can use Satan, he can use the Antichrist. So there are many views on this. But for me, the pre-tribulation rapture makes the most sense to me. 
to me. I mean, I also see the 70th week of Daniel. Remember when we studied, studied Daniel 9, where God begins to deal with Israel again, the church age is done. Well, that's that point of the seven-year tribulation. And I think that's why in Jeremiah 30, verse 7, in the old King James, it says the tribulation is called Jacob's trouble. Who's Jacob? What's another name for Jacob? Israel, right? So I believe the church will not be in there. So listen, in all these views, there's a lot of strengths and weaknesses, uh, even in the pre-tribulation rapture. But to me, it's the one that makes the most sense. And I just put it out to you. Be a good Brian, Acts 17, who remember Brian studied what uh, in the scriptures, what Paul was saying. Be a good Brian, study it, and you know, study it for yourselves. But this is how I see it. And this is our last point here. Believers are to encourage each other with the hope that the rapture will happen before the wrath. Believers are to encourage each other with the hope, with that sure hope that the rapture will happen before the wrath. I think that's the most encouraging one, right? I think that's the most hopeful one. One of my pastor friends said, I was talking about how someone told him, you pre-tribulation guys are a bunch of wimps, not wanting to go through the tribulation, getting out here before it starts. His response was, so? No. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I am. I am a, a wimp. I'd rather right, be with Jesus than rather be here. Now, I do believe persecution is going to happen to the church before the rapture. I believe we're starting to see it already. But if we are going to have to go through the tribulation, no matter part of it, where's the hope in that? Where's the hope in that? Where's the encouragement? How can I be encouraging? Oh, Jesus is coming soon, but, oh, hey, these really bad things are going to happen, and, you know, famine, and, and war, and all this stuff that we're, it's going to affect the whole world, and, and the Antichrist is going to rise up too. The first seal, right? The rider on the white horse is the Antichrist, right? And so, if, I would be, if, if, if I was a pre, pre-wrath or mid-trib guy, you know who I'd be looking for? is the Antichrist, because that's a sign that Jesus is coming with the rapture soon, right? But you know what? I don't want to be looking for the Antichrist. I want to be looking for Jesus Christ. And that's what it's about, you guys. It's about being with Jesus. And that's the encouragement to me. And that's what strengthens me. And that's how we should strengthen each other. So, as we close up here, soon Jesus will take us home in the rapture, and I believe before the tribulation. We don't know when. It can happen at any moment. But let that give us hope. Let, us motiv- let that motivate us. Let that comfort us. Oh, soon we're going to be with Jesus. Know that time is short. So you guys, let's start giving our heart to him. Let's start loving him more. Let's start living for him more. I want to close with this uh, story. Um, it's from the commentator, William Barkley. He wrote about how these three demons in training were tested by Satan to share what is the best way to tempt and ruin people. The first demon said, I will whisper in, the, in their ear, there is no God. Satan says, nope, that, don't, that won't work. They see God in the beauty of creation. So the second demon in training piped up. I will put out some false doctrine. There is no hell. Satan said, no, no, it won't work. People know in their heart they must be punished 
for their sin. Finally, the third demon said this, how about we simply say there is no hurry? Well, with that, Satan smiled. You pass. That's it. See, the most dangerous of all delusions is to make people think that they have plenty of time. With what I see, what's going on in the world, we don't have plenty of time. So let's prepare our hearts and start looking for His coming today. And then let's be hopeful. Let's be excited for Jesus that we're going to be with Him soon. Because we know in our future, it will be not the wrath, but the rapture. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for assurance, Lord. Thank you for, Lord, I'm excited, God, to be with you, to see you, Lord. I'm not in fear, God. Uh, Maybe I have a few regrets, Lord, of my own failures. But, Lord, I know they're covered by the blood. And there's no fear of of if I'll make it or not, there's more excitement to be with you, Jesus. My Lord, my love. And I pray for anyone here today who has not accepted Jesus, that this would be the moment that they would pray right now and receive you into their heart, that they would believe in you as Lord God, that you died and you rose again on the third day, and that you promised salvation to those who call upon you. So, Lord... I pray for any of us also that you would help us all. Uh, those who maybe need to make a recommitment, those who maybe have been wandering out but need to, need to get back on course. Lord, I pray you would help them right now as they recommit. And I pray, Lord, that you would continue to stir our hearts up for your soon coming. In Jesus' name, amen.